This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we have a special episode here on YouTube and also within our audio files. We're doing this usually for the questions and answers. From your feedback, we found that you like these as far as when we do the question and answers so that we can put them up on the screen. If you're listening to this uh, in iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is, you can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash expert aviator. Subscribe to the Aviation Careers playlist that's out there. Also, don't forget to check out some of our pilot interview course questions of the week that we've been putting out every week. Anyway, if, we, uh, if you have any questions, by the way, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com is how you can actually get in touch with us. Before we begin, uh, a couple things, a few announcements. Uh, first of all, the Sun and Fun, flysnf.org, is going to have an event in December of 2020. So if you're listening to this at some other time, you can check that out at flysnf.org. I also highly recommend you clicking on the actual radio station there. One of the easiest ways to find that, if you're listening right now, is liveatc.net slash snf, and you can listen to us at Stuck Mike Avcast and Aviation Careers Podcast. The crew always volunteers every year. It's played throughout the year, so I kind of wanted to mention that because a lot of people don't realize that throughout the year you can listen to all the great interviews that we've done during Sun and Fun this past year and also some years prior to that too. But again, before we get started, I want to you know, look at one thing. One thing that we've done is we've put together this scholarships guide. And the scholarships guide is an online directory with over $120 million in scholarships. And one of the things we keep getting questions about is how can I contribute? And I don't have a lot of money to contribute, but I want to help. Well, this is what we've done. We've decided to set up a Patreon account. And you can become a patron really easily. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash patron or click on the patron tab. And if you give just $1 a a month. When we reach $10 of people giving, we give away one scholarships guide. So you really can affect somebody's life by just giving $1 a month. All the money that we raise through the Patreon account goes towards purchasing scholarships guides for individuals. And that's through the Pay It Forward campaign. As many of you know, you can use that coupon code, Pay It Forward, all one word. You get a free scholarships guide. Those are the ways that we can help people move forward through these challenging times. And that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today and also get to some listener mail. One thing I really want to discuss today is adapting to change. Something you're going to find in your career, in your aviation career, and also in your life is things always change. Things don't ever stay the same. And one of the things I want you to do is embrace that change. Embrace the fact that things do change. I mean, things change for the better. I mean, heck, when I started in the 70s, I had the, you know, the big lapels and those funky you know, bell-bottom pants, et cetera, although those are coming back again. But things change. They evolve both in, in the culture but also in the careers. And right now things are changing dramatically as far as because of COVID-19. But it's changed in the past. Remember September 11th, we have all these new rules now for security and for your safety, just like now in COVID-19. So what I want you to do is think about this, is that you will have change in your career. Here's one that's going to hit you directly. 
technology. Technology is always changing. A good example, glass cockpit. You know, when I got started in the airline world, a lot of folks were still doing round dials. I was flying round dials. And when people went from the turboprops, the round dials, to the jets with all the glass, it became a challenge. Many of you listening right now have only seen glass. And you may have to change to the round dials, to the more traditional type of instruments. And those are the things that I want you to do is embrace those. Embrace the change. Look at it as a challenge. And realize the more things that you have in your background because of the change, that the better you'll become as a person and also as a pilot. We're going to make it through this, this COVID-19, and we've done it with many other things in the past. Cannot wait till we have a vaccine so we can keep moving forward. I can't wait till the numbers go down as people that are being infected by this and people have passed. And I really think that one of the things we need to do is we need to embrace the fact that we are going through a transition period, but we always are going through a transition period. So remember, one of the things you need to do is constantly adapt to change. One of the things you can do, and this is something I find is very important, is constantly read, evaluate, listen to podcasts, watch YouTube videos, that type of thing. Incredibly important. And, and one of the things that I do, and this is just me, and I've been doing this for years, I get up a little bit earlier every morning. And why do I do that? So that I can also adapt with those changes. I read magazines, I read books, I, I actually put one hour every day towards reading a book, a magazine, a podcast, something where I can learn about something new so that I can adapt to all the changes that are happening right now. We have many changes in culture, we have many changes in the airline industry, in the flying, etc. But the most important thing is, is to actually embrace a change and adapt by actually doing it beforehand being ready for that change, and anticipating the change, because it's going to happen. Well, anyway, we've got some listener mail here. And one of the things that I think uh, you folks really appreciate is the fact that we put the listener mail up on the YouTube channel as I'm reading it. So I'm actually going to read some of the uh, listener mail here and uh, put the put that up on the screen as I'm reading through it. So, uh, oh, and by the way, uh, some of the listener mail that's been brought into us, there was uh, one about flying around in the pattern and, and a student pilot was having an issue. Another one that was concerning the 737 MAX. That was over on Stuck Mike Avcast, so I highly recommend you go checking out the 737 MAX series that we did about the accidents and the outcomes, that type of thing, and what we've learned. And also some of the things that we discussed on that podcast about surviving you know, a CFI or an examiner that that truly is somebody that's an, we called him an ogre, but somebody who's really challenging. And, and that's something that I think is important for your career too. So go check that out in our, our sister podcast. Anyway, let's take a look first at our first email here. And it says, hello, Carl. I'm an IFR and commercial single engine land and multi-engine land rated pilot. I was wondering if scholarships are exclusively for people who also attending an accredited college. The reason for my question would be because I'm a self-funded pilot and had to put a temporary pause on my training due to COVID situation going on. I feel comfortable enough to pursue my CFI, but was worried I would not be eligible for scholarships since I'm not attending college or university. I'd like to master my trade. I am 22 years old and have not decided which path to take as far as pilot career goes just yet but I'd like to become the best CFI I can be before even thinking of an airline pilot. Thank you for the podcast and the motivation. Listening to you has made a rough time 
Not so bad. Best regards. Well, I really appreciate the comment. Let's go look at the answer here to some of your questions. First of all, as the scholarships are concerned, uh, the majority of them obviously are for people that are going to college, but we are putting more and more people, more and more scholarships, excuse me, into that guide where you can actually get a scholarship or a grant or money for flight training, even if you're uh, not looking at going through a college. There are many scholarships that are specific to schools, specific to work groups, uh, places of work, that type of thing. So really, we're, we're really expanding it. That's why we're up to 120 million is because we're expanding it to different workplaces, airlines, employers, um, organizations, military, et cetera. There's many different scholarships out there. So yes, uh, it's not just for those going to an accredited college. Uh, the majority are, though I will say that, you know, and that's going to be in any scholarships. Uh, because one of the things I think that we should do is focus more on the non-traditional type of scholarships that are out there for the non-traditional uh, learner, somebody who's not going through the college. So, uh, But very important, I think, is one of the things that you said is that you want to be the best CFI you can be before even going to the airlines. A couple of reasons I think that's great. Number one, you should always strive for that. No matter what job you're in, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like when I was pumping gas, I wanted to be the best gas station attendant. I wanted to be the best person working in, you know, changing tires. When I drove the tow truck, I wanted to do the best I could do. It's always good to try to strive to be your best. It's good for you. It's great to show your integrity. It's also good for your career because that enables you to move forward no matter what, an uptime and a downtime. Remember this. In most situations, even during downtimes, the top 10% usually do get jobs. The top 10% in any field will get a job. So if you put yourself there, like you were saying, and becoming the best CFI you can be, then you will put yourself in that top 10%. I'll give you an example also. You know, I became a master CFI, and that was through the National Association of Flight Instructors, NAFI. Uh, there's other master CFI programs out there also through SAFE, and I'll put links in the show notes below. That's one way you can become one of the best CFIs ever because of this. You have so many experienced people out there that you can go towards, that you can actually ask questions of uh, that are members of NAFI and also SAFE. And that's one of the more important things is having a mentor. I was just talking to somebody here at Lakeland about the fact that we have brand new CFIs coming in and we'd rather have somebody, or they said they would rather have somebody with experience. But they changed their mind after uh, about a year realizing that if what they did is they mentored that CFI coming in, they can be a great flight instructor with just a few hundred hours. And the way they do that is they pair them up with a chief instructor, assistant chief instructor, another very experienced instructor. So there's one way you can become the best CFI you can. Join organizations like NAFI and SAFE and also strive to find a mentor, somebody that can help you, uh, like a career coach, etc. Someone who can help you stretch yourself. Read more books. I mean, I, I have... Lots of different libraries of books. Uh, we're just finally putting ours in here in the office uh, here in Lakeland. But always try to strive to, as like I said, reading, learning, moving forward, getting uh, involved in mentorship and coaching. And that's one of the best ways that you can move forward. So before even thinking of an airline career, I love that you're thinking that way. Another thing, too, by the way, how that's going to affect you when you go for your airline interviews is the fact that you're going to actually have an easier time answering those questions. Why? Because you have the knowledge. You've been teaching it. What's the better way than 
than actually learning something than teaching it. So I highly recommend you doing that. Again, thanks for the kind words. I really appreciate that. Let's see. On the next uh, question we have, uh, comment. And by the way, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com if you have a question, comment, or a story you want to relate that will help other people going through tough times. I don't think I mentioned that in the beginning. Uh, anyway, we have a comment that came in and said, uh, just listen to ACP 287 in your interview with Courtney Deckard. I really enjoyed listening to it since her start and career are almost identical to mine. However, she got an earlier start, which is what I wish I had done. So good for her. I've worked at Minneapolis-St. Paul International since 2013 and I've loved every minute of it. I've done just about everything below the wing you can think of. One of my first jobs was refueling. Took a break from that for a few years, but I'm currently back refueling. If I had to rank the jobs I've had, I'd put fueling at the top. Just like your interview, I'm also in A&P school. It's hard work, but definitely worth it. I really enjoyed a podcast you did with a young female who is the lead mechanic at a World War II aircraft museum. Her Instagram posts are really cool and interesting. Keep up the great podcast work, and thanks for the scholarships guide, too. Well, I appreciate those comments, and I am so glad that's helping you. That's why I did this podcast, because when I got started there was nobody else telling me about these careers when I was younger and all the different things that I could do. It's also a source of inspiration, not just from me, but listen to all those other people that love what they're doing, all those jobs that are out there. Listen to those folks. And I'm glad you're going and go back and listen to the older podcasts. Look into past episodes and scroll through there and listen to a lot of the interviews because this isn't my story. It's their story. It's your story. And I'm just so happy that you shared that. I think it's great that you've done everything below the wing and that you love aviation. I love aviation too. That's why here I am uh, at an airport watching airplanes fly by right now. It's really cool watching. I'm actually on the downwind for runway nine uh, and it's just terrific. I'm on the left downwind here so I can watch the airplanes take off and land. Uh, just It's phenomenal. It's, it's, uh, it's a field that we all absolutely love. So I really appreciate the comments. Uh, really, really terrific. Uh, oh, and uh, also, again, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com if you have any other questions. By the way, I did mention the next question that I had come in is something we answered on Stuck Mike Avcast. It was a little more appropriate there where we talked about the 737 MAX incident. Uh, there's a lot of good information you can glean there. It was a five-part series, uh, and I highly recommend people that are in the career field to look at that. We looked at it from a general aviation safety standpoint, but there were some really interesting comments there as far as what we should do as pilots and continue to do hand flying, et cetera, which by the way, I just finished up my recurrent training. That was really cool after the fact. Oh, you know, honestly, I don't know anybody who loves going to training. I, I don't, I mean, I dread it. I'm just not the nicest person in the world right before training. Uh, can't stand it. There's pressure involved. Uh, there's one of those downsides to be in the aviation industry. Every year, you're going to be retested, retrained. They call it training, but uh, if you don't pass the test, it's going to be an issue with the possibility of being terminated. It doesn't happen that often, but every so often it does. Uh, but most importantly, you have to continually train, continue to learn. And one of the things that I talk about is, you know, embracing change. You, gosh, just in the airline that I work for now, if I left for a year, there's so many things that have changed in our operations and the way that we do things, checklists, et cetera. 
So again, most important thing is embrace that change and, uh, and enjoy the training. I really enjoy the training after the fact because there's so much I learned. Uh, I learned so much during this training. I'm trying to think if there was anything that I, uh, there, yeah, there's a couple things that I, I remember learning uh, in this training that were really good as far as checklists. Ah, here we go. That's one thing. So what did I learn? What did I learned from training? Checklists. It's so important during the checklist uh, to not so it's a challenge response in, in a crew environment. So you have the challenge and then the response and both people respond or one person responds. And uh, one thing I found is that uh, one of the things that I, I need to do more of is kind of slow down. And when the other person responds, maybe even look at the thing they're responding to if I can, uh, if it's something that's in my view. So for instance, if it's a uh, nose wheel steering disengaged, I look at the nose wheel steering, make sure it's disengaged. Just glance over it as I'm going through the checklist. If it's something I have to read, then obviously I have to look at it and look at, say, the altimeter setting is 2992. I look, it says 2992. The other person says 2992. So interesting stuff. So I do, you know, we all learn stuff. After many uh, decades of flying, we always learn. Anyway, let's move on to the next question. It says, hi there, big fan of your podcast. I'm a 30-year-old Canadian. I have my private pilot license and night rating with around 60 hours. I have a bachelor's degree and two master's degree as well as three years of non-aviation-related work experience with government as well as being an Army reservist. With every day that passes, I realize that I will never thrive in an office job and that my passion for aviation keeps growing. I'm seriously considering switching careers and pursue an airline or corporate pilot path. On top of the concerns regarding my age, I wonder if my profile might come as too academic to be competitive. Uh, what are some examples of things that on a curriculum vitae that would turn an airline off? Given the current state of the industry, I'd aim to complete my training modularly while working on the side, waiting for the industry to recover. What are your thoughts on this? Thanks for all you do for the aviators. Uh, appreciate that. The one thing uh, I got to go back and explain, first of all, because there's a lot of listeners in the U.S., uh, in Canada, uh, there, there's a private pilot with night rating. Uh, we do the night training and it's, you know, during your private pilot license. So uh, there's addition, a lot more additional training actually in Canada than here. Uh, some more, I shouldn't say a lot, but some more additional training to get your night rating with your private pilot certificate. So it's a little bit different than the U.S. Anyway, I digress. Um, the concerning your age, yeah, is uh, we hear this all the time. Go back in the podcast, am I too old to fly? Uh, the 30-year-old, it depends on what you're going to do, what type of flying you're going to do. Obviously, if you're a flight instructor, there's no age limit. If you're going to do business flying, corporate flying, private flying, as they say, there's no age limit there. Airlines have age limits. Uh, that's due to the medical. Uh, but you can get involved in aviation in many different aspects. Many of the folks, like for instance, I just went to training, I said, 70-year-old uh, pilot. He's uh, not actually flying anymore. And the reason being is he's too old to fly. So now he's doing training. So that's a great avenue right there. But I look here on the airport and there's a bunch of old guys out there. I mean, I'm, I'm young compared to some of these other flight instructors are out there. So, so make sure you realize that, that really you can continue your training and your flying uh, throughout your life. I mean, it, it's really something you can do. Uh, and, uh, but at 30 years old, you're still pretty young. I liked your idea, by the way, of continuing with what you're doing and moving forward. So I'll answer that question first. Moving forward, why you have a job. It's really important during this pandemic. It enables you to pay for your training, obviously, uh, and it enables you to do things on your own time. The only thing I'd have to caution is uh, 
try not to, and this happens sometimes, make it like, like an excuse for not getting into the career field. Uh, it may, you may find out this isn't for you as far as the airlines. It might be something corporate like you were saying, but try not to uh, have it side road your one goal and your one passion, and that's flying and possibly flying for the airlines. As far as your resume is concerned, check out uh, the resume video that I have on our YouTube channel. Uh, there's a little coupon code at the end. You can get the free resume course. Um, really, it's one page usually for an aviation resume. As far as things that will turn people off, it isn't the academia. I mean, you could be a PhD. Uh, we get it. I mean, there's so many people in the aviation world that have many advanced degrees, attorneys, MBAs, uh, doctors that absolutely love flying. I have a friend that's a dentist. He's also an airline pilot. He does the dentistry on the side. Uh, so it, it doesn't turn the airline off because they realize that uh, it's a passion that's flying. And it is something that actually is rewarding financially. Uh, so that's another reason that people get into it, but it's really a passion is why people move into this field. And by the way, if you can become a pilot, especially during this period, it's really, really good to have a passion for, for aviation. That's for sure. So, uh, so yes, uh, things that they'll look for on your, on your resume that might turn airlines off. There isn't much, uh, just remember, try to, you know, stay out of trouble. Uh, no arrests, no drunk driving, that kind of thing. Uh, those are the biggies. Uh, as far as your education, the more education, the better. Uh, so, and it's great too because you'll get to you know talk extensively to people while you're on the road about many interesting topics. So, highly recommend you continuing what you're doing. Great, great idea to move forward with your career while you're paying for it, while you're in the industry you're in right now. Anyway, let's move on to the next question here, and I think this is our last question. It comes in. It says, uh, good afternoon. I've listened to your podcast for many years now. It's one of the best in the aviation category. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. I'm living in Spain. I'm a cadet pilot with 250 hours and an A320 rating that I got from my airline that hired me but quickly fired me due to COVID-19. But at least I got the type rating. Well, good for you. Now I'm working in my flight school as a flight ops manager, and I'm sure things will get better in aviation at some point, but I am really terrified and nervous as I would like to fly the jet badly and things don't look good. I felt like there are very few chances for a cadet pilot to get hired by an airline, especially at this point in time. I've applied to all the operators of the Airbus in the world, uh, from Wikilist, by the way. What else do you think I can do to improve my chances, hopefully get a desired job? What would you have done in my situations? Thank you for the reply and keep up the great work. Best re guards from the Canary Islands. Well, I really appreciate the question. Uh, first of all, one thing you have to do is be thankful for what you have. With 250 hours and an Airbus A320 rating, uh, that's something in the U.S. you usually don't see often. Uh, we do see those in a lot of other countries, in Asia, etc. cetera. Uh, it, just be thankful that you have the Airbus rating, which is terrific. One of the most important things you can do, and this is everybody I think should be doing this right now, is build your hours uh, because I'm already seeing this. Uh, actually, this week I had someone cancel an interview because they decided to you know, cut off the, a certain amount of people from the interview process that didn't have a certain number of hours. So in the past, 
It basically was, do you have your ratings? You can get an interview. Uh, in the long time ago past, like when I started, it was like 10,000 hours, of, you know, a moon landing and a perfect tan. And those, those days are over. So now we're back to a little bit normalcy. Maybe three, four, 5,000 hours is what the majors are looking for, especially somebody flying an Airbus. So the most important thing you can do is build hours, build time, build experience. Because when you're looking at a pilot applicant, the bottom line is experience is really, really important. When I'm looking at somebody that I want to hire at an airline or I'm doing an interview prep for another airline, I'm looking at experience. I'm looking at the type of experience they had also. So just flying hours alone, and eh, not so much. I mean, the total hours is great. It comes down to decision making, whether you're flying a 172 or a banner tow over the beach, but also make sure you do the flying where it involves a lot of working in the system, working um, with air traffic control, IFR flying, because that's the type of flying that the airlines really want to see. Uh, so yeah, if I was in the same situation, which actually kind of happened to me when I got hired with the airlines, it was during the same type of period that we had uh, just a few months back where it basically I didn't have enough multi-engine time to get hired by anybody. And I got hired by this one airline called Continental Express. And I built most of my multi-time is turbine time. I think I had 78 hours of multi-engine time, which you know nowadays is normal, but back then it was nothing. I mean, usually a lot of guys try to build like hundreds of hours, even a thousand hours of multi-engine time. Also, the majors, when I moved to the majors, I had about 8,000 hours of total time when I got to the majors. And we're starting to see those hourly ranges come up again. That's why I say build your hours, build your experience, and everything you can do to stay within the industry, try to do. And, and that's what I did. I mean, that's what I did in that same situation is I kept trying to move forward. So hopefully that helps uh, as far as that question is concerned. Hey, if you've got questions or comments, and uh, or if you're watching this right now on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe below. And uh, please send us feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you're watching it online, go below in the, the comments and actually ask your questions. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think about the videos. I'm really curious because um, I'm thinking of doing more of these, especially people have said they like them during these, these Q&As because up on the screen, as you know, I, I've been putting the, the answers and that type of thing. Oh, and some people have asked if they want to come visit me here at Lakeland. Do me a favor and... Uh, Send me an email first because I'm not here half the month. Uh, so if you just come over here and visit, I may not be here. We're on the south side of the field on what's called the Academy Ramp. I do meet a lot of people over at Shelter on the north side. Plus, I'm over at the college, so I bounce around all these different places on the airport. Absolutely love it. I love the GA Ramp. Uh, one of the neatest places. i got Sun and Fun right on the other side of the field, so it's, it's just, just a blast. And by the way, if you want to be inspired too, that's a neat thing to listen to is Sun and Fun Radio. And listen to the stories of different people. We're also doing that on Stuck Mike Avcast more, is, is, is interviewing more people and their stories about what they've been doing in aviation uh, because we really want to motivate people during this time. I think this is, you know, this is a challenge that we're all going to get through. But embrace the change. Make sure that you embrace the changes in the aviation industry and in your industry, whatever you might be in right now, thinking about getting out of. Embrace those changes because it's going to happen for the rest of your life. Things are going to always change. But the most important thing that you can do, the most important thing you can do is don't stop. When this video is done, when this audio is done, don't stop here. What I want you to do right now, I want you, after this is done, to take one step towards your career goal, towards your life goal. 
I want you to take one step today to move forward with that goal. It could be something small. It could be writing down something. It'd be actually looking up some of the websites that I've talked about, looking down the show notes and seeing if you can maybe relate to some of those questions or maybe find some of those links and learn something about aviation. But make sure you take one step today to move forward in your career and your life. Well, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.